Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts is a brand new and unique store, boutique-styled retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products where Wicked and cannabis cultures come together for a rather unique atmosphere. They're located on 185 Worcester Street, right next to Subway and Hertz Rental Car, and their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and they can be contacted at 508-545-8105. They are closed on Sundays, and you can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. And welcome to Goth Girl Horror, part of the Radio Horror Network. Goth Girl Horror is the official hack slash to Tim Seeley's comic book series about Kathy and Vlad. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This episode will post on Black Friday. <laughs> Go out and buy hack slash comic books for your loved one in your life who happens to be a goth girl or horror lover. Or... You could also buy some Marvel Horror comic books and read them and then listen to these guys' show. On the show with us are the host of Tomb of Ideas, which covers the horror that Marvel has printed in the last number of years. They go pretty far back. Um, the <laughs> but they are covering like Ghost Rider and Tomb of Dracula and anything else Marvel horror happen to be related. Satanus. It's always a really good, sexy one. Uh, and on the show with us is Trey and James. Thank you for coming on Goth Girl Horror, guys. Hi. Thank you for having us. For people not familiar with the show, go into a little bit of a description more than I just gave you about uh, Tomb of Ideas. The Tomb of Ideas. Oh, geez. Um, well, we have been taken prisoner by an old Marvel horror host called Headstone P. Gravely, and he's forcing us to read his collection of Marvel horror comics if we ever want to see our family and friends again. Right. And so we started uh, more or less at the beginning. We didn't go all the way back to the early, early, like, uh, anthology stuff, um, like the 50s stuff, but we started mostly with Tomb of Dracula and then the stuff that spun out of that, that uh, Monster of Frankenstein and so on and so forth. That that Morbius storyline where that first started Amazing Spider-Man, and we have touched on some of the anthology stuff so far. We went back and looked at the stories, which is supposedly the first canonical appearance of Dracula in Marvel, right. and also the, the the first appearance of Groot. He was originally a Marvel monster before he became the lovable Guardian of the Galaxy we know now. Right. It's yeah. kind of like if you watch the Planet Hulk cartoon, you see Korg in that before he became the lovable Taika Waititi uh, joke-spewing rock monster in Ragnarok. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I had a few friends of mine watch that and go, why did Korg look like the thing and sound like a mean old man? I'm like, yeah, let me uh, tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that really surprised me, at least, though, is just how many 
black and white magazine anthologies Marvel did. And right. this would have been sort of competing with stuff like Vampirella and and Creepy and things like that. Um, but they did a lot of these black and white anthology bags. I bought the Vampire Tales when they got reprinted in the um, uh, 2012-11, you know what I mean? And uh, because they, you know, they'd never been reprinted before. But God, I was like looking through these, going, man, when that horror, that horror embargo by the Comic Code Authority got lifted, Marvel went nuts with their like dark, satanic, just breast coming out kind of comic books every five minutes. Oh, for sure. And, and they could get away with even more in those black and white ones because they were magazine format, not comic format. Correct. So they, but. They did the thing where it's just like, it's just shy of being pornographic. Like, right. hey, yes, you're seeing boobs, you're seeing butts, but you're not seeing nipples. Right, right. right. Like, the, uh, like, the, like the underwear the woman is wearing is just strategically placed or whatever, just perfectly on her nipples, so it's not overexposing them. I do a podcast about Hammer Horror Movies. We just started it, and my co-host, Ro, is a graphic designer during the day and a uh, very attractive uh, BDSM model at night. And she says that she has tried doing that or whatever, and she needs like to put tape on her nipples in order to have it adhere to the clothing in order to do that because she's flipped through the comics and being like, "This is not possible," yeah. <laughs> and I'm not that big of I don't have that big of breasts or whatever, but this is still not possible. <laughs> it's funny you mention um, Hammer Horror because Hammer Horror is a huge influence on these Marvel horror comics. Yeah, we hardly go an episode where I don't bring up one of the either Dracula or Frankenstein or the Karnstein cycle or any of those. Definitely. It's just, part of that's just because it was the big going concern at the time. Right. But also, but, like you mentioned Satana, and like I, I can't help but wonder if someone at Marvel was, was thinking, you know, maybe we need our own Vampirella. Because you look at her costume and the way she's introduced and all that, and she's got a little bit of a Vampirella vibe going. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of like horror icons that are female and super smoking hot, we're talking about, uh, for this episode, returning to our regular format after taking about a month and a half to talk about the 50th anniversary of Vampirella, Hack Slash, uh, the Hack Slash podcast returns to its regularly scheduled numbering with issue number seven, The Tub Club. And the guys on the show with us are going to be doing the uh, plot synopsis for us for this issue. Yep, uh, I actually have this one. So we're going to kind of do it in the format that we're used to on our show, if that's okay. Sure. This is Hack Slash number seven. Uh, writer is Tim Seeley. Penciler is Rebecca Isaacs. Colorist is Andrew Dollhouse. Letters by Crank. We begin our tale at Franco Bell Women's College, where a covert cabal of collegiates congregate under the cover of night at the Unisex University's gymnasium. Specifically, it's hot tub for some sinister purpose. Meanwhile, our heroes Vlad and Cassie are finishing a day of apple picking. Not the fun touristy kind, the back-breaking migrant work laborer kind. And then there's some subplot about Vlad being jealous of Cassie's new BFF Georgia, as seen in previous issues. When they are contacted for a possible case by their associates, Lisa and Chris. A body reduced to basically a deflated skin bag. Our dynamic duo arrives at, you guessed it, Franco Bell's Women College, where they've been tipped off by the school nurse, herself an amateur paranormal investigator. The nurse believes the strange happenings to be related to a lesbian sex cult on campus accidentally summoning the goat. Our dynamic duo arrives at, you guessed it, 
Franco Bell's Women College, where they've been tipped off by the school nurse, herself an amateur paranormal investigator. The nurse believes the strange happenings to be related to a lesbian sex cult on campus accidentally summoning the ghost of Elizabeth Bathory. Mm. For those of you who slept through Vampire History 101, she was that lady who famously believed that bathing in the blood of virgins can make her younger. Later, in a dorm room procured for them by the not-so-nurse lady, Vlad and Cassie set in for the night. But when Cassie puts off playing cards with Vlad in order to call Georgia, Vlad decides to get out his frustration by staking out the campus. As he... as he avoids detection by a frightened blonde, he is beamed from behind with a birdbath by another student, this one in a sheer nightgown, and who seems, to her astonishment and ours, to recognize Lad. Yeah, we'll get back to that, because the follow-up issues don't follow up on that too, too much, but uh, that will be for a future episode. So starting the issue right off, the artwork in this issue is definitely different than the last couple. In fact, the last couple, the issue, bef- uh, it, it's, the, the artwork changes in arcs, but uh, just previously we did like a Riverdale kind of horror episode, because Riverdale's basically Twin Peaks of, for teenagers, but with, you know, sexier <laughs> girls in it, and I swear to God, there's more sex on Riverdale than there was on Twin Peaks. Um, <laughs> but uh, the artwork in this issue is absolutely fantastic. I definitely have to give it up to the writer. It, it starts off with a bang right away with something that is straight out of pornography. Yes. Yes, it does. With no shadow of a doubt. But then you switch over to this really nice scene in the orchard with Vlad Cassie picking apples, and it's so bright. The colors in it are amazing. And I'm looking at it on the digital version because I forgot my issue at home when I was on my way here. I, I find it kind of sweet that Vlad's like, Hey, are unicorns real or make-believe? Yeah, I, they really lean hard into the the sympathy and innocence and naivete of, of Vlad in this one, and I kind of I kind of dig it. I like it when they when they build his character like that. I can't remember the name of the movie. I just oh, Jojo Rabbit. Adolf Hitler is eating a unicorn in front of the child who's imagining him. <laughs> wow. Who, I by the way, speaking of. That. Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi plays Adolf Hitler. Right, right. I, I, I've heard really great things about that movie. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's so good. It's so good. Then we switch back over to the nurse's office, and we have this girl with her, um, her, the 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 the, the upper thigh part surrounding the crotch covered in bandages. What horror movie starring Jim Carrey does this remind you of? I'm um, blanking. Trey. Little 80s horror comedy starring Jim Carrey and Laura Hutton, Once Bitten. In fact, the movie that is uh, credited for introducing Jim Carrey. So the vampire has to bite Jim Carrey around the groin, sorry, around the groin area. Not to be confused with biting him in the groin, but he is bitten around the groin area. Um, as evident in a book that is shown to his girlfriend by a very white, stereotypical, um, unfortunately uh, bad appropriation of culture, Indian white guy. <laughs> then we switch over to a scene with Masters of the Universe. And I think it's because at the time, Tim Seeley was involved with writing Masters of the Universe. Um, also, kind of coincidental, what is Tim Seeley writing currently? Masters of the Universe and the Multiverse. Yeah, I just picked up the first issue of that. It looks fantastic. I, I I forgot to pick up the first issue, but if I do miss it, it's not a big deal. I'll get it in trade paperback. But I met the artist at a Comic-Con I was at, a little miniature micro one-day con. In fact, it was the only convention 
that uh, Jimmy Palmati and Amanda Connor did this year. And it was in New Hampshire. It was just a one-day little hotel con or whatever. And they were they they were loving doing because they have a long-time relationship with the guy who ran it or whatever. So they, they made that the con they were going to come out to for Halloween. And a few tables over from them was the guy who draws the Masters of the Universe Multiversity with Tim Seeley. And uh, his name is Dan Fraga. And the guy next to him was a guest who just came on the show, Tom Skinnowski. He's the current writer on Vengeance of Vampirella. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. I, I I just love like the random He-Man appearance in the middle of a comic. You know, which is that's... not the first. No. Because, correct. Uh, when they go into her dreams, uh, the toy, the He-Man and Thundercats pastiches are fighting. Right. The toys. Yeah. Yep. That's right. They are. Yeah. They're they're oh, they're man. they're non they're they're like mockery toys. You know. Yeah, and, and then, of course, with the action figures later, you've got, like, a Voltron, and is that an Invincible that I see on the monitor? Looks like yeah. it. And yeah, he's definitely wearing a Voltron shirt, and I think we've got Superman. Yeah, so got... so they, they have fun with, with their sort of nods and pastiches to, to the superhero books. Right, and that just brings up a point. I really like this relationship between um, Chris and Lisa. Hmm. Uh, Too bad it doesn't last. Like, ooh. <laughs> you can tell we haven't read too far ahead. Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything beyond what I just said, but uh, yeah, get to Volume 2, the second ongoing series. Yeah. Well, I, I also just like the idea of Hack Slash Inc., that, that they've sort of built this grassroots operation of informants. Kind of reminds me of, like, you remember that? Okay, we've got Disney Plus in the tomb now. And I've been watching a bunch of old Disney shows. Uh-huh. It kind of reminds me of the guy from Kim Possible. Ron Stoppable? No, 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 Wade. Oh, I don't know that one. Um, he's the guy who calls her with missions, and you go, doo, 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 doo. Oh, yeah, Wade, okay. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and again, also kind of like Spider-Man Homecoming, everybody has to have that guy in the chair. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Here's my big question. Cassie and Vlad are hurting for money, right? Right. Okay, so they, they take the job so they can stay at the college and get like a five-meal-day uh, pass and everything, right? Right. Okay, where the hell do they have the money for the gimp suit? <laughs> That's not cheap. <laughs> Those things are expensive. <laughs> a few issues ago, they were buying their clothes at the dollar store. Like. Right, because Cassie had just gotten like kidnapped by a serial killer, chopped off one of her toes, which, by the way, thank you, Continuity, you can see Cassie's foot still bandaged up. So this takes place at least a couple weeks after the events of issue number one. And they cannot afford a doctor. Nope. So whatever girl Cassie hooks up with, or guy sometimes, um, as she swings mostly into the more uh, lesbian fare of being bisexual, she um, that person better be into gimpy told girls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cat, 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 Cassie, Cassie. Flat, Flat's color changes a lot. Have you guys noticed that reading Hack Slash? He's green, he's gray, he's a pigmentation of green and gray sometimes. Do you think it's a matter of, like, his mood? Blue, correct, yep. I mean... That comes from have, having multiple artists come on and different, going back and forth on colorists, and also probably not having a color guide. Yeah, or... Differences in how different artists decide the lighting affects how he looks. Or Tim Seeley really likes the Hulk, and those are the three colors of the Hulk. <laughs> Fair. He does sort of go between, especially the gray and green, yeah. I thought, um, it's also sort of, the same thing happens with Godzilla. 
in depictions of Godzilla. He goes from, from gray to green, depending on the artist. Right, right, right. But in the movies, he's always been charcoal black. Right, right. Yeah, every movie he's been charcoal black, including the Matthew Broderick one and including our versions from uh, 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 Screen Gems. Yes, yes. Go ahead. So, yeah, I did, I did notice the, the shifting color palette for, for especially Vlad. I do love the uh, reading of Elizabeth Bathory. That's very cool that they threw that in there. Obviously, Tim Seeley being a big horror fan, that was great. I love the the ritual shows, like the woman hoisting the other woman's breast up as she's cutting along them. Um, they don't show what happens afterwards because they're trying to keep the book somewhat <laughs> PG-16 rated before crossing that line. Um, talking about Hammer Horror, though, that's exactly the sort of thing you would see in one of those mid-'70s movies. Correct, exactly. Oh my god, do you imagine, do you remember Twins of Evil with the twin um the twin sisters? Right, right. I mean god, that was the first movie to ever show downstairs business. I- I'm not familiar with this film. Is it anything like Parent Trap? No, it's about these twin orphans who are actual twins in real life. They're actually the first twins to ever appear in Playboy magazine because Hugh Hefner saw the movie and w- he was like, "What? I've never had twins in my magazine before. Get them on the phone." <laughs> And they appear in the magazine nude together. In the movie, however, they never appear nude on screen together. In lingerie, yes, but only one of the girls, the girl who starts becoming a vampire, actually appears nude. Right. But that was sort of the beginning of Hammer getting a little more risque and trying to keep up with the times. Correct. Because they also did the Cardinella trilogy at that point with lesbian vampire lovers or something. Right. Right. And so anyway, that's just not to go too far off topic, but that image reminded me of that. Correct. That's right. This isn't our show where we just go off to, <laughs> right. massively off topic. No, no, no. That's totally fine. I, I go totally off topic, too. Listeners enough about our tangents. No, no, no. It's 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 totally totally fine. Other than the opening sequence and that middle part in the black and white, that's pretty much it for the lesbian sex for this issue. I'm doing this on the digital thing, so I don't have the floppy in front of me. But this woman who appears, who Vlad thinks is his mother in the next issue or whatever, it's not very much explored upon later on. I don't quite remember who she is because I actually haven't read these issues since they I originally bought them back in 2005, six, seven, and eight. So and this issue is from. Excuse me. This issue is from January of 2008. It does have a couple different covers. I have the cover where uh, Cassie is crawling out of the hot tub um, with the knife in her hand, with her uh, in her bathing suit. Yes. Which again, me and my former co-host constantly talked about the size. Okay, Vlad's color is always changing. Cassie's breast size are always changing. She goes from being a small cup to a larger cup depending on the artist. That's just comics. Yeah. Well, and it sort of reminds me of. The interview you did with uh, the uh, artist on uh, Vampirella Reanimator, right? Um, the first uh, the first issue of the Vampirella hack slash crossover, right? Right, because he he talked about the same sort of thing with Vampirella, where it sort of depends on what reference you're using, what kind of story you want to tell, that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, in the hack slash Suicide Girl crossover, that's the first and only time. Cassie appears completely nude at the end of the issue because she does a Suicide Girl uh, photo shoot. And that issue is insanely hard to find. <laughs> I, I can imagine. That, that's, that's an interesting crossover. It makes sense, but it, it's a little more surprising than, say, the various horror 
franchises that the book crosses over with. Right, and the other big uh, annual that actually is very hard to find is the Hack Slash Hatchet crossover. Even Adam Green himself says he doesn't have any copies, and he wishes he had oh, wow. bought it when it came out because he knows that this comic, yeah. when he signed it, he said this comic book goes for almost $100 online. Did you know that? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so do those get reprinted any of the omnibuses or I believe so I think I, I do I, I'm almost positive that the Suicide Girl one is in this omnibus or the next one the Hack Slash Hatchet one I, I'm almost positive has I, I believe everything has been reprinted including any of the crossovers reading the wiki there's one section not too far away from where this issue is where it was listed on the wiki as only containing the non-crossover material Okay, and so I don't know what crossover that was. Yeah, I don't. I again, having all of the individual floppies, I'm not 100 percent knowledgeable about the omnibuses unless I download them. All I can imagine is there was a rights issue with one of them where they weren't able to to reprint everything. Well, I definitely know there was a right issue involving uh, what do you call it, uh, Reanimator, because of some you know issues of like who owns Reanimator? Oh, nobody owns Reanimator. Okay, then why aren't we allowed to use this Reanimator? Oh, because that Reanimator. Looks like Jeffrey Combs and so on right, and so forth. Right. And I had Tim Seeley on the show when that happened. You use the actor's likeness and you give him the, the green serum, suddenly it gets into a whole kettle of fish. Right. So I was like, so I will, uh, I, I will be addressing that when it comes back up again. So the other cover I was talking about that I was trying to find, because there's been a few, excuse me, hack slash number sevens. This is the Devil's Due press cover. It has Cassie standing in a pool of blood holding up a zombie head. That sounds badass. Yeah, so this is only two covers for that. Now, at the, I, think, I think at this point in the printing of the Devil's Due Press issues, they started printing the covers on the inside page. So you saw what all the covers look like? Mm. IDW and Dynamite will print all the covers of uh, the issue in the first page or in the back of the issue to show you what the rest yeah. of the covers look like, which is really great for like a big their, uh, their first comic book. IDW's first comic book to hit issue number 100 comes out in December and that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they have, they're they going to have multiple covers. Oh, sure. Not yeah, sure. which, by the way, I've asked the question, uh, the Turtles have crossed over with everybody, including Ghostbusters and Batman, and now Power Rangers. Where is the hack-slash-Teenage-Mutant-Ninja-Turtle crossover? I don't think Nickelodeon would ever allow that. I don't know! I mean... <laughs> the, the, the days have they read Shredder in Hell? <laughs> I think the days of the Ninja Turtles being this kind of like badass counterculture answer to the dark, basically to Frank Miller. Um, I, okay, over. I, I don't want to disagree with you, but have you read IDW's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book? To be fair, I have not. It is, I believe, yes, it is lighthearted sometimes, but the last 50 issues since since um, the, the the tone of the book shifted dramatically at, in issue 50 when Splinter killed Shredder and took over the Foot Clan the the, the dynamic of that entire storyline just shifted and they went into some they were going to really meta resurrection Japanese lore stuff leading up to that or whatever but man they went crazy with it afterwards you know what I mean with the comics they can get away with a little more of that um, than, than with the other multimedia stuff that, as far as like animation and movies and stuff, Nickelodeon has a pretty firm grasp on it, but I think the the comics, IDW, gets a little more leeway. Right, because I mean, I, Nickelodeon is aware they're, they're more of an adult-centered comic book company. They're not, they are printing some kids' comics, but honestly, they're those Star Wars adventure books that Marvel doesn't want to publish. 
Well, I, that's pretty much all the notes I have for this issue of Hackslash. It, it, it's very quick. Sometimes the issues have a lot of substance to them, and sometimes they're really, really quick. And this one, I think, was yeah, really, the, really quick. The cliffhanger just comes out of nowhere. Right. And the woman's like, Vlad? And then, again, we get a little tease. About, you know, I gave you a little tease, uh, you listeners, for what's, what comes up in the next issue. But uh, very, very quick issue. Part one of the Hot Tub three-parter. I definitely would like to thank both you guys for coming on the show for your insight and thoughts. If you have any more notes or thoughts about the issue or Hackslash in general. Actually, here's a great question. How were you both introduced to Hackslash? I have no clue. I read it at some point in the early 2000s. Yeah, I have read very little of it. In fact, I did a lot of homework before coming on just so I would know who the characters were or what I was talking about. I know I read the Army of Darkness crossover, which I think may not even be canon. Uh... Uh, yes, actually, I, I'm sorry. Go back to what you just said. The Army of Darkness Hackslash crossover is canon yeah. because, okay. and this is a spoiler, Cassie and Georgia are raising a baby, and it's Chris and Lisa's. Guess what happens uh-huh. to them? Yeah. So it is definitely yeah. canon. And, and then the follow-up, um, Hack, um, Hack, Hack the Son of Sam Hain. By the way, if you also notice, Vlad is dead during that because Vlad gets killed off at the end of the, Devil do, the Devil's Due Press series. He returns in Resurrection. Wow. He returns. He, he gets killed. He gets. He returns. So it's not really a spoiler. When you when you kill a character off and you bring him back, I, I don't care about spoilers anymore. Sure. <laughs> Superman dies, but he comes back five months later. Batman gets his back broken, but he gets fixed. You know. Anyway. <laughs> I think you had a good point about the nurse earlier before we started recording. Oh right, right, right. The uh, the the old the elderly nurse is basically da- uh, uh, Velma from Scooby Doo. Yes. <laughs> I didn't see it until you pointed out, but now I can't not see it. <laughs> Including stumbling and breaking some glasses. Luckily, not the one she was wearing. And she's right. a paranormal investigator. Yep. This is what happened to Velma. In fact, if you think about like the age and how old this woman is and how old Velma was in 1969, it would kind of yeah. almost add a line up. You know what I mean? It, it would sort of line up with the, the 60s uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you timeline. Yeah, the original Scooby-Doo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Velma would have to be in her early twenties, late teens, or whatever, in '69, and then right. you know add you know forty years to that. <laughs> and there you go, and she's still investigating. Right. I like that. Where can people find your podcast, guys? So we are part of the Cinepunks podcasting group. Um, so Cinepunks.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Tomb of Ideas. Um, we're on Facebook, Tomb of Ideas. Um, you can email us Tomb of Ideas at gmail.com. Basically, if you search Tomb of Ideas, you're going to find us somewhere. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that. Cool. All the things. Yeah. We, we, we try to uh, make ourselves available as many places as possible. And don't forget to check out the rest of the episodes on uh, RadioHorror.com for hack slash... For, excuse me. Let me start over. Make sure you check out the rest of the episodes of Goth Girl Horror, the official Hackslash podcast on RadioHorror.com, and we'll be back in two weeks with Issue 8, Hot Tub Part 2. Thanks, everybody, and have a happy Thanksgiving, or happy Black Friday. Bye.